Okay, so before we get into the passage that Will just read, I'm going to start out by telling you guys a story. And it's a story that may test a lot of you guys' faith, um, but I'm just going to let you guys know that every single detail about this story that I'm about to tell you is true. Everything is true. So growing up, um, I loved basketball. Basketball was my, my favorite sport. I played it all the time. Um, and like many, um, many young basketball players with basketball aspirations, I stumbled across a, a, a basketball player who goes by the name of Michael Jordan while watching some highlights. Michael Jordan, as many may say, is the, is, is the GOAT. And there are many different um, things that he could do on the court that would, um, that would lead people to believe that he is the GOAT. And one of those things happened to be the way he could jump. He, uh, he, he, he could jump so high, he was given a nickname called Air Jordan. Um, he, the stuff he could do in the air, people would, it would almost be like his defenders would just have gravity on their side and they would just start coming down and he would somehow just keep rising. And I would watch him, and I would just be in awe. I'd be like, how in the world could he do that? I wanted to do that. I would just study his game, and I just wanted to be like Mike. So now, on to the story. It's about ninth grade um, for me. It's about, I'm, I'm, I'm in ninth grade now. And for most people, ninth grade is about the age where you could try out for the varsity basketball team. Um, I was, I mean, I was, I was pretty good. But I was also like five foot nothing. And so for being so short, um, basketball really shouldn't be the sport for you. Because normally when you go to put the ball up, it ends up being put right back into your face. So um, I remember I, I, basketball tryouts are a month away. And there are, I wanted to do something that would amaze the coaches. That would be like, yes, he needs to be on the team. Yes. He needs to be on my team. I wanted to do something that would solidify my spot on not just the team, but also on, on, as, as a starter. So one morning I was reading in the book of Luke, chapter 1. There's a verse in there that says, If you believe, all things are possible. And I'll tell you, it's like in that moment it's like, like the, the words of scripture just leapt off the page and into my heart. And I figured out exactly what I was going to do to impress my high school basketball coaches in order to make the team. I was going to dunk the basketball. I was going to dunk the basketball. So I put my Bible down and I, I, I go out to, my, to, the, to the front and I go to my driveway. And immediately I start to construct a plan, Right. I, I, I go out and um, I start to measure how many steps it would take to get to my basketball hoop. Because um, my plan was that I would do it with my eyes closed so that I would run as fast as I could. And once I got to about two feet in front of the basketball hoop, I would, I would, I would, I would jump and um, it would be as though I could imagine angels holding me on both sides, lifting me up to the basketball hoop. Sounds like a good plan? I thought it was a pretty good plan at the time. 
So that's that's kind of that 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 was my plan. Um, I just I I you just I mean I want you to picture, like, you know, just walking by and you just see a kid in the driveway. Basically, every normal day for everybody else, but uh, here I am having a revival in the driveway. God, I believe. Help me dunk this ball. Again, every detail that I tell you about the story is true. How many of you guys think that on that day I dunked the basketball for the first time? I got one, two, and you guys are like feeling sorry for me. <laughs> okay. How many of you guys think I did not dunk the basketball on that day? <laughs> okay. All right, all right, I see how it is. <laughs> Again, every detail about this story is true. I get up <clears throat> off, my, off my knees and onto my feet. I close my eyes, and then I take off. I start sprinting. Eyes close. <clears throat> Once I get to two feet in front of the basketball hoop, I jump as high as I can. And I kid you not. It felt as though there was angels on both sides just lifting me up to the basketball hoop. As I'm rising, the next thing I felt is that basketball pulled right in, right in my forehead. <laughs> you know, I want you guys to uh, imagine driving past my house on that day. You just see a little kid basically have a revival in the parking lot and then, you know, get up and run full steam into a pole. If I could go back, I would tell my, my young self um, two things. First off, <clears throat> that passage in Luke chapter 1 is, is a passage of Jesus, the birth of Jesus and the Virgin Mary, not about impressing a high school basketball coach. So apparently you can't take any verse of scripture and make it mean whatever you want. Secondly, I would just tell myself that I could never be like Michael Jordan. So you may be asking... What does that story have to do with anything that Will just read out of John chapter 1, um, verse 28 through 31? <clears throat> well, tonight's message is going to be a message with a bunch of pins. So you know how you know, someone says, uh, put a pin in that, and then that means you'll return to it later. Tonight's message is going to be a message with a bunch of pins, pins and we'll come back to them and hopefully tie everything in <clears throat> all together as time goes on. So, that'll be our first pin. I'm just going to test this, make sure. It worked for Caleb, so it should work for me, right? Boom, pin one. I just wrote intro. So, tonight we are going to walk through Scripture and look at our need for a sacrificial lamb. Look at our need for a sacrificial lamb. The first passage we're going to look at is in Genesis chapter 3. So, if you could turn your Bibles there. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, and then we'll jump to 21. Just grab this. All right, Genesis 3, 9 through 11, and then to 21. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? 
And then um, we'll jump to 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So here God created man and gave him all things to enjoy. Literally everything was theirs except one tree. As the scene unfolds, we see the devil step in and throw shade at God and starts deceiving them. If you just taste the fruit, you'll be like God. God is lying. You'll be just like him if you just taste it. They cave in and then sin enters the scene. They are quickly met with shame as they try to hide themselves with leaves. But God then covers them with what scripture says, skin. So that's, then we're going to put a pin in that. Pin two. Now, pin number three, the next page over, in most Bibles probably, maybe you have to flip, I don't know. Genesis 4, 2 through 5. <clears throat> and again, she, she bore his brother, wait, right? Yeah. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So in this scene, we have two brothers tending their land, you know, going about their own business, Cain tended to the ground, and Abel tended to the sheep. The time came for them to offer up a sacrifice, so they both made offers to God. (coughs) Abel's offer was accepted. However, Cain's fell incomplete. And that's the second pin. I know, there's a lot lot going on, but yeah, you guys got it. Oh, stay. Cain and Abel. That's the second pin. Next one, we're going to turn the page to um, Genesis 22. Or through your phones. Genesis 22, 9 through 13. It says, When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So in this scene, we have Abraham chilling with his son Isaac. At this time, Abraham is well known as a man with a lot of faith. So God puts his faith to the test and commands him to go and sacrifice Isaac. He does not really understand it, but he does have faith. So he straps down Isaac, takes the blade, but right in the nick of the time, the Lord steps in. Abraham looks over and God sends a lamb in his place. Pin number four. Let's just put that there. And then the last pin. Turn your Bibles to Exodus 12. 
12, 5 through 7, and 13. Exodus 12, 5 through 7, and verse 13. <coughs> Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until <coughs> the 14th day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. Now to verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The fifth and final pen. <clears throat> Exodus 12, 5 through 7. Here we have Moses' 10th attempt to convince Pharaoh to release his people, to set God's people free. So God says, here's the plan and pay attention. Tell all of Israel that they're going to need a perfect lamb without blemish. They may not understand it now, but one day they will. They will have to kill it and brush the blood on the doorposts. Israel, see, Israel is God's firstborn and Israel has been taken by the Egyptians. So, basically God is saying, if you don't let his son go, then he will take their son. And only those whose doorposts are covered in blood will make it. So that's the fifth. And that is the fifth pin. Thanks for bearing with me with the passages. Now, let's take a quick, <clears throat> let's take a quick pause before we revisit our pins here. None of this will make sense unless we ourselves realize how much we need Jesus. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, which means there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Our God is a righteous judge, and because of our sin and our doing, there's a death penalty, and someone has to pay it. The moment that you sin, your life has been indebted. And his mercy is the only reason we can still have a hope for forgiveness. See, God's standard is perfection, and none of us, none of us can reach that standard. So, like, how these passages, all, each one of these people needed a perfect lamb in their place, so do we. We need a perfect lamb in our place. <clears throat> and that's the very reason why they would sacrifice lambs in their place. But it didn't clear the debt. It would never clear the debt. It was only a partial payment. It only covered it for the, for the time being. So now, let's take a recap and see how nothing was an accident, but it all has a purpose. Now, <clears throat> pin number two, with Adam and Eve, back to the fall. They sin and try to fix it on their own. So they cover themselves with leaves, but God covered them with skin. We don't know exactly what kind of animal God used to cover them. All we know is that in order to cover man, he had to shed innocent blood. And now, uh, pin number three, back to Cain and Abel. You ever wonder why Cain's offer was rejected, but Abel's offer was accepted? All we know is that Cain offered the work of his hands um, by offering the fruit. Abel, on the other hand, tended the sheep, so he must have offered an innocent 
lamb. Now to Abraham and Isaac. You guys see in the picture, right as Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, God sent a ram in the place of Isaac. See, it was faith that led Abraham to sacrifice his son. In order for forgiveness to come, God would later do the same for us. Innocent blood. And then the fifth pin. Now back to the Passover. I know what you guys are thinking. Here we go with that innocent blood, but it's true. We had, they had to shed innocent blood in order, wrong paper. <laughs> they had to shed innocent blood in order for the, the angel of death to pass over their house. It was innocent blood that saved them. You guys see the pattern here? <clears throat> see, this all makes sense in the passage that Will read earlier in John chapter 1. 28 through 31, in John chapter 1, 28 specifically, this all makes sense when Jesus walks onto the scene. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Hebrews 9, let me see, in Hebrews 9, 12 to 14, it says, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the five persons with the ashes of hyphers sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. See, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. He is the Lamb without blemish, the only one worthy to pay the price for our sins. We cannot do it on our own. It is only he who covers man. See, we broke the law, but it was he who came to pay the price. When death lifted up his hand, ready to snatch us, Jesus willingly took our place. He is the offer that God accepts when we're like Cain, our works are rejected. He is the one who pleads our case before the righteous judge. He knows we're guilty, but he loves us enough to serve our sentence. The wages of sin is death, but he died to completely clear our record. All of the stories that we read were all leading to him. The one and only sacrificial lamb of God is Jesus. From the beginning of time, from the beginning of Adam and Eve, Jesus it was all leading to Jesus. So what? Now that you know all of this, so what? We'll quickly revisit my first pin. John 1:29 says, "Behold the lamb. Behold the lamb of God." What does it mean to behold something? To behold something means to look intensely. To, to, it, is as, it is much more than a glance, but rather an intentional stare. To behold something or someone is to see it and then desire it. To look at it with such amazement that you don't want to look at anything else. That thing or that person is all you want to fill your mind with. You don't want anything else. <clears throat> In my intro, I admitted that I beheld Michael Jordan. I saw what he did and I wanted to do it. To... Uh, Foolishly to some degree, but I beheld him. My question is, do we listen to the command that John the Baptist gives, and do we behold Jesus Christ? 
where we don't as much as just glance past him, but rather see him for who he is and what he does and then desire to be like that. We know that Jesus Christ is the sacrificial lamb of God, but do we behold him as such? In Acts chapter 7, we see Deacon Stephen being martyred, being stoned for preaching the gospel. <clears throat> but right before his martyr, he saw the glory of God in verse 55 and 56. And it says, <clears throat> but he, full of the Holy Spirit, right? This is as he's, this is as he's being martyred. Full of the Holy Spirit, gazed in the heavens, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Do we behold our sacrificial lamb like this? That no matter what we may be going through in life, all we want to do is see Jesus, see his glory, and just desire to be with him and just desire to know him. You see, <clears throat> Jesus is the Passover, and every life not covered by the blood will be taken. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and will always be the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sins of the world. It's always been Jesus and always will be, and only he is the way.